From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we unpack top news stories out of our radio newsrooms across the country. On Deadline this week is yet another indictment for former President Donald Trump. Actually, let's pause there because the words yet another could signal that this is just more of the same. But here's the big question. Could the most recent indictment land the former president of the United States behind bars? It's never happened before, but some experts say this indictment is different. Earlier this year, Trump was hit with two other indictments, including one for an alleged hush money scheme involving adult film star Stormy Daniels, who claims they had an affair while Trump denies it. The other was in relation to an investigation into classified documents he kept at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida after leaving office. As for the former president's latest legal case, it's broader in scope than the others and potentially more damaging. In a nutshell, special counsel Jack Smith filed a 45-page indictment that says the president tried to overturn America's presidential election, something that, through all of American history, has never even been perceived as a real possibility. In another twist the Founding Fathers couldn't have prepared for, it's also worth noting that the Trump campaign was forced to respond on Saturday to one of his social media posts. If you go after me, I'm coming after you, Trump wrote on Truth Social. His team has said the post is protected as free speech. They've said the same about his rhetoric leading up to January 6th, setting the stage for a possible First Amendment defense. CBS News legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum spoke about Trump's legal troubles and how long it could take for the latest indictment to play out in the courts with WCBS Radio in New York City. I assumed Trump's lawyers are going to start off by saying, Your Honor, we need, we need more time. Uh, everything we keep telling you is we need more time. Jack Smith has now complicated the case that was brought against my client, that's what his lawyers will say, in Florida, added an additional document to the espionage charge, added an additional defendant to the obstruction charge. That's all coming up on May 11th. We want a really, we don't want a speedy trial date like uh, the prosecutor wants, special prosecutor. We want uh, more time. Similarly, we got hit by this new uh, directive and uh, we need a uh, an order of protection. Uh, we need to respond to this order of protection uh, because the whole case is about free speech. And so here, it, this is like a preview of what the whole case is about. They didn't want us to comment on January 6th or on the election. And now they don't want us to comment on this criminal prosecution about those, about those charges. Any chance the judge in the case simply says to them in return, keep your client quiet? Yeah, and I can see them saying, you know, Your Honor, you don't know our client. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump had had many, many lawyers, and all of whom had given him the advice to stop tweeting, stop true socialing, stop posting and communicating with your base. He's not going to do that. If the court looks at what he wrote on social media and says that's a threat to human beings, and he continues to tweet in this format, in this form, in this spirit, shall we say, what recourse does the court have? Good question, but Well, look, remember, we are a free speech obsessive country, right? So that tweet, which sounds threatening, may not in under First Amendment Supreme Court precedent actually be threatening. That's why I noticed that the special counsel's office isn't saying he's threatening me. He's saying such comments would threaten a future witness. We're going to have problems if a future witness believes that the former president, who may be president again, 
It's creating an enemies list and I'll be on. So they're not making an argument of actual threats, I think, physical threats. They're talking about more witness intimidation, witness tampering. But they're also saying if he's going to make these comments, you know what else he's going to do? He's going to announce to the world all the evidence that we present, documentary evidence, testimonial evidence, things that are supposed to remain in the courtroom. He's going to tell the world we have to discipline this man to know that everything needs to be in-house in the courtroom. I don't know if they can because, again, they're just going to continue to make a, a, a broad First Amendment argument that would say the following. The Justice Department has made this campaign about prosecution. It's not about anything else. It's about keeping me tied up in four different courthouses, state courthouses, federal courthouses, and that is a political issue for this campaign, and I have a right to comment on it. Understanding we're in uncharted territories here in terms of a former president, but is there any legal precedent for this type of ruling in terms of what he can and cannot say with any former public official that you've seen? I have never seen anything like it. Again, First Amendment grounds. Again, people usually don't tweet the way this guy does, right? It's just the, the, everything about it, right? Fight like hell. Think of all the tweets that we've heard, uh, you know, come to January 6th, it'll be wild. It's a hate, a very different way to engage in freedom of expression. Right. But it is potentially political in nature, and therefore he might have a claim that he has a right to it. While a majority of Americans think the former president's actions surrounding the 2020 election broke some laws, according to an April poll from the Associated Press and NLRC, the results of the election still seem to be a hot topic among conservatives. Earlier this week, Republican presidential candidate and Florida governor Ron DeSantis said he thought it was obvious Trump lost the 2020 election, saying, quote, of course he lost. This now puts DeSantis in a select group of prominent Republicans who have spoken out against Trump's claims that the election was stolen from him and that he was the winner. DeSantis versus Trump has been a common theme even before the former president announced his campaign following the 2022 midterm elections, though DeSantis trails Trump in the polls. Now some are wondering if Trump's mounting legal troubles will derail his chances of securing a nomination at all. The Iowa caucus is still months away, but polls from the state often give a glimpse at how the parties might sway. The news director of KQWC Radio in Webster City, Iowa, Pat Powers, joined KNX Radio in Los Angeles to discuss how Trump's indictments could affect his position in the Republican Party and in the key caucus state. Last Friday, we had 13 Republican candidates appearing in Des Moines on kind of a hot evening at the uh, one of the hotels in Des Moines campaigning. Donald Trump was there, and already we have all these candidates going around. I think there's a lot of uh, question here in Iowa about uh, what came out of uh, the decision yesterday with, uh, with Donald Trump about can he hold on? Good question on there. That's on the minds of many of the uh, Republican faithful here in the state of Iowa. And it's really surprising that there was not one single word from Iowa's uh, GOP officials like uh, Senator uh, Chuck Grassley, long-term Senator Joni Ernst, another Republican, and from, uh, from Governor Kim Reynolds, who recently uh, got kind of booted away from uh, Donald Trump. I'm curious, Pat, because you have your uh, your sort of finger on the pulse, I think, of people in uh, uh, your state. Uh, you've been there for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. How is this all 
going down with them, do you think? How is this playing out, all these, uh, the legal woes of, of Donald Trump? Do they, for the most part, uh, think that this is a, a serious legal issue? Or do they think, as Donald Trump says, that this is part of a kind of democratic uh, uh, conspiracy to make sure he doesn't reclaim the White House? I think that's your last point right there, because uh, there's a lot of Trump supporters here in the state. They want him to to run again, but he's being challenged by 12 other people. Of course, the answer will be forthcoming in a good 166 days. So I have a sneaky feeling that uh, there's a lot of uh, support for Donald Trump. But time will tell. Time will tell what's going to happen next uh, in this uh, race. There's another big question on the majority of Americans' minds related to Trump's legal turmoil. Will a former president actually go to jail? The idea has never been possible until now. Even Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton's legal troubles were resolved without a criminal indictment. But Trump has already become the first president to be indicted, and then the first president to be indicted a second time, and a third time. He could make history again by being found guilty of the charges levied against him. To discuss the possibility of Trump spending time behind bars, the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, Matthew Schneider, joined WWJ News Radio in Detroit. Mr. Schneider, what sort of evidence would you expect to see in a case like this one? I would expect to see the witnesses who were the president's staff, his important team, his leader, the Leader, leadership. Uh, the attorney general, for example, will likely be a witness against him, the cabinet secretaries, his senior leadership. And in fact, be, being that his family members, in fact, even talked with him, it's entirely possible we will see that President Trump's children or other people might be called to testify against him as witnesses. Two states are mentioned pretty prominently in this case, Georgia and Michigan. So focusing on Michigan, what are the details there, any details there as far as what Michigan's involvement in this case might be? The details are that President Trump was told by several people, including legislators in the state of Michigan, that there was no fraud that would have amounted to overturning the election. And he was told this plainly by people in Michigan. And the evidence suggests that even though he knew that, He was still telling people that there was fraud. And that's really the basis of the charge, is that his advisors were telling him that this is all a bunch of nonsense, including people in Michigan telling him that. But yet the president chose to ignore that. And that is what really the case about the the fraud is, is that he was told one thing and then he went out and said another. How much pressure is the prosecution under? Because one side of the country is expecting to see some sort of a prosecution here, while the other side of the country is basically looking at these prosecutors and saying, all right, you've been weaponized by the current administration. So how much pressure are the prosecutors under in this case? Well, in order for that to be a weaponization or politics or something like that, you know, those are good political arguments. But history shows those aren't really good legal arguments. So if the allegation is is that you've been politicized, well, you can make those arguments in court. They usually fail. The place where that might not fail would be jury nullification. And from what we're seeing so far from the Trump team, that might be the type of argument that they are going to be trying to be making. Can the former president serve any time on this? What kind of time is he facing at this point? That would be entirely up to a judge if he is convicted. And we have so many more hurdles to overcome before we even got to that place. I would hope that people don't get ahead of themselves. But this type of offense, 
if you look at the federal sentencing guidelines, it would amount to years in prison. So that is a possibility. So what would it look like if Trump did end up in prison? Politico noted last week that his sentencing would not only make history, but pose unprecedented challenges to the prison system itself, since he's entitled to around-the-clock Secret Service protection. Of course, high-profile prisoners aren't a new phenomenon. In recent years, the Los Angeles Times has even reported on wealthy inmates paying for upgraded cells with modern amenities. While many prisoners aren't allowed to access cell phones, a report this year from the Marshall Project revealed that many incarcerated people do find access to them. That means it might still be possible for Trump to send out those true social posts, even if he's ultimately locked up. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, Sabrina Boyd-Serka, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Berry, and I want to say thanks for listening to the On Deadline podcast, Odyssey's deeper look at a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast to stay informed.